now you can't get in there. Now it's a war zone. Now it's like checkpoints and Checkpoint Charlie and guards and FBI and ATF and Army. These people have not been able to go back to their homes to get the contents of their safe. And I've heard rumors about who is rummaging through that. Again, I'm not here to spread rumors, but I'm just telling you. To not allow homeowners to go in to get their stuff is weird. To not allow press to go in there to get their stuff doesn't make sense. To not allow citizens like me to pull over on the side of the road and take pictures and videos from afar of what's going on. I can't fly my drone over there and watch the hillside for future strikes causing fires or looking down and seeing what FEMA's doing. To block everybody out is against our constitutional rights. We basically want accountability of people who are responsible for this, and they should be held liable for this. People should be held liable for this because this is gross negligence. We want accountability of people, that electric company, the police. Why did the police block people from coming and exiting? The police was blocking the road. Hundreds of people were backed up there with people in their cars, and they, a lot of people lost their lives. The police officer that was over there, he should be investigated. It needs to be investigated by a third party that is not associated with the government. People in Lahaina are angry. We don't trust the government because of what has happened. I'm an attorney, and I question, there's so many things that are questionable that has happened here. We still don't trust the government. We're wondering what's on those documents for FEMA. I don't know what's on the documents myself. And we're afraid to sign documents because right after that, the governor says, oh, I'm going to take the land. The state wants to purchase all this land. Who the hell does he think that he should get this land? This land belongs to the people already. Okay, the government you. is, wait, the government is liable for this, grossly negligent, at least if not criminally negligent. They should clean up all that land, restore that land to the people who own that because they failed here. They failed. The government failed. Here we're tracking new developments regarding West Maui schools. Now, here are the latest stats from the Department of Education. Before the fire, there were 3,001 students enrolled in that area. Since then, 778 have re-enrolled in other schools. 874 have signed up for distance learning. 129 are now enrolled in charter or independent schools. 12 have withdrawn. Now, that leaves about 1,200 students that the DOE is actively trying to contact. Welcome, everybody, to NWCZRadio.com, Channel 1's Down the Rabbit Hole. It's a brand new episode. My name is Big D. And I'm Brandon. Look who's back. Yay. <laughs> and coming to us from where? I'm coming to you from Texas. Yes. Where I belong. Welcome to the land of the free, the home of the brave, and remember the Alamo always. Always. First impressions. And I know you haven't been here long. You, what, have you even been here a week? No, not even a full week yet. Okay, not even a full week, but a few days and you start a new job. So you're starting to meet some Texans and find your way around. What, what First impressions coming from Brandon of the, the Lone Star State? Um, Texans know how to drive <laughs> um, for the most part. And um, the nicest people you could ever meet. 
I mean, it's so much different than up there, like up in, you know, the Northwest, like you say hi to someone and they look like you just assaulted them, you know, and down here, it's like you say hi and within 10 minutes, you know, the kid, their kids names. People are very friendly here in Texas, that is for sure. And that's one thing I've always enjoyed about being from here, coming back down here, and then now obviously living here is, yes, you say hello to somebody, ask them how you're doing, and they always respond, and they're usually very, very kind, and sometimes they do. They give you a life story. Yeah. But by saying I know their life story, it's not in a bad way. Right. <laughs> the move was successful. Everything was going well. Yeah. Good. Um, it's going well so far. I mean, we're still kind of in that making it all come together stage. I mean, you know, that we got a little bit longer till the house up there sells and till the one down here closes and we can move in. Well, there will definitely be an adjustment period for you, and I, but I think you're going to enjoy it. And I think once you get settled in, you will not look back. You will enjoy the decision that you made to come to the big Lone Star State. I, I completely agree with that statement. I mean, from just what I've seen so far, I mean, it's, it's so much different, so much better. Food definitely is much warmer. better, too. The food is great here. Oh, it is. <laughs> You'll have to continue working out because it's so good. Yeah, I am. I'm definitely going to have to continue working out. The one thing is, though, is I still can't root for your teams down here. Sorry. Uh, well, you know, uh, just be be prepared. If you're going to fly a Seahawk flag, just be prepared. I, people. I just don't think it's going to be that bad. I mean, it's most people here don't even like aren't even Houston fans. No, because when the Oilers left town, yeah, it really took the heart out of Houston. And when they brought the Houston Texans in, there, there are those who have logged on to it, probably newcomers to Houston and people who didn't yeah. grow up with the Oilers. But even me, and, and I was lifetime Houston Oilers fan. I've tried to be a fan of the Texans, and it just, it, it, I don't connect with them at all. Yeah. So. No, and yeah, that's what I've seen from most people. It's either they're, they, they have another team that they root for um, or occasionally you find a few that are Dallas fans but we'll we'll forgive them that one well it doesn't uh, it doesn't help that the Texans have basically sucked from the very beginning and they've never gotten out of that no they haven't <laughs> it's like I told you know Amber if I wanted to I rooted for a crappy team most of my life so, so I'll just stick with the one I rooted for forever there you go all right well let's get into today's topic because it's a serious one on a certain note it's very serious, obviously. Yes. But at the same time, there's a lot of things going on with Maui and the Maui fires that, A, you're not hearing in the mainstream. B, some of it's way out there. But on the other hand, there are a lot of questions about what is going on with Maui, with the fires, with the aftermath of the fires, with FEMA with the head of the police department, with the governor there, or, or the mayor, or wh whoever the head of the island is. I, I keep getting conflicting reports because they call themselves a, a state within a state. And yeah. so <laughs> they consider themselves like a separate state, a lot of the Maui people and the government there. So I can never yes. quite log into exactly what it is they have going. And you've been there, right? You've been to Maui before? I have, and it's a gorgeous, gorgeous island. So, it was. And I've even been to, well, yeah, it was. I've been to Lahaina, which is now gone, um, twice. And, I mean, it's 
it's gorgeous. I mean, it's just amazing to see the videos and think I, I've been standing there. Yeah, I've I've been to Maui once, and I did spend a bit of time in Lahaina. I, I enjoyed Lahaina. I thought it was one of the better parts of the island, honestly. Yeah. And I, I'm not a big fan of Maui, and I, I don't say that to to be disparaging or anything. I, I me personally, I prefer the Caribbean island more. But and it's, it had nothing to do with the people. It was just a lot of people go to Hawaii. Said you should go to Hawaii, so I went to Maui. And I thought it was nice, but I wasn't overwhelmed by it. A lot of people are overwhelmed with the beauty of Maui. And, it, and there were certain aspects of it that I thought were fantastic. No doubt about yeah. it. And see, so, yeah, when we were there, we stayed on the opposite side, away from Lahaina. Um, and I liked what I liked about Maui was it was less touristy than Oahu. Where Oahu, it was just a big, giant tourist trap. It was hard to get away from the touristy crap. And Maui was a lot more laid back in the Hawaii that I expected. Right. And I, that's the only place I experienced. So, And I did experience that while I was there. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And for those of you who never been there, Lahaina was this kind of old school Hawaiian, I want to say town, but it wasn't even really a town. Mm-hmm. It was more like... A, Two or three strips of old Hawaiian buildings, and they were restaurants, and they were curio shops. Uh, there was a some bars right out on the water. It was just a fun place to walk up and down, get yourself an ice cream cone, maybe grab yourself a Hawaiian burger, sit in the bar for a while. They had art stores that sold art and local art and so forth. And it was it was just a neat little, I'll say, village. Yeah. And there was a little bit of commercial side to it. There was a hard rock there, and I went to a concert there one night, and uh, they had a really old historic theater where they would bring in pretty big-name acts that would perform there. And it was just a fun little place to hang out, and it, it, it was sort of a nice mix of the local and historical Maui with tourists mm-hmm. and it's gone. Yeah. That place is completely gone. Yeah, it is gone. And I mean, it was crazy when I saw the, the pictures of how much, how quickly and how much devastation there was. The question I have for you before we get into the details of this, when you were in Maui, I think you said you went there twice. Is that right? Yeah. But the first time, I mean, was 30 years ago. Right, and then I you... was there again two years ago. In fact, we were showing it was when they were talking about the fires. It was popping up on my wife's Facebook feed all the pictures of us in Maui. Huh. So it was almost two years to the like almost day. When you were there, do you recall every evening? It was usually, in my recollection, it was five between five and six. These trade winds would blow in. Mm-hmm. It yeah. almost like clockwork. It would be, I don't know. 25, maybe maybe at the most 30 mile an hour winds, uh, sometimes less, but they would blow in every evening. It was a thing, and they would it would blow for an hour or two, maybe three, and then it'd be gone. And then the rest of the day was pretty calm, and then the night was pretty calm, but every evening, these trade winds would blow in. Yeah. The reason I bring that up is because that comes into play, this idea of these supposed high winds that were bearing down on Hawaii based on this hurricane that was 80 miles away. And 
we're going to go through the official timeline. Like, and when I say official, this has been put out by ABC News, CNN, MSNBC, Reuters, AP, all of them. This is, quote, the official timeline of what they're saying happened. And we all know what that means. Right. But I think it's important that we set this up with their official timeline and what they say happened before we jump into what we're hearing from a lot of people out of Maui, people who were there when it happened, uh, reporters who are not part of the mainstream, who some of them have been kicked out. So one was arrested for asking yeah. questions and harassed and harangued and all the crazy stuff that's going on with FEMA, the government, the uh, chief of police and everybody. So let's dive into the official timeline and then we'll veer off into another part of the story. So according to everything on Monday, August 7th, this is when everything sort of kicked off. There was a supposed high wind warning issued that was supposed to happen through Wednesday. And they said some regions would uh, face gusts of winds up to 67 miles an hour. And this was all based on Hurricane Dora, which is actually coming up from basically down around Cabo area, going up the Baja Sur and then heading out towards Hawaii. But it, 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 the closest it got to Hawaii was 80-something miles away. And so remember that as we get back into things. On this day, Monday, August 7th, before 11 p.m., a security camera at the Maui Bird Conservation Center, which was located in East Maui, captures a bright flash in the woods just before 11 p.m. Jennifer Pribble, Senior Research Coordinator at the Conservation Center, says, it's windy, there's a flash, and I think that's when a tree is falling on the power line. And the power goes out, our generator kicks in, the camera comes back online, and then the forest is on fire. So their camera went out. This is all an assumption on her part. Yeah. Tuesday, but August. It's an assumption from a government person, so that's just the truth, right? Absolutely. Yes. Tuesday, August 8th. That happened at 11 p.m., so now we're at 12.20 a.m. That's why we've flipped over to Tuesday. So it's just an hour and a half or, or less later. Brush fires reported in the Kalua area, central part of Maui, and this would become what's known as the upcountry Maui wildfire. Now go to 6 a.m. in the morning, around 6.30, a brush fire of about three acres is reported around Lahainalua Road, which passes through Lahaina. At 9 a.m., so three hours later, the fire in Lahaina was declared 100% contained. It says containment indicates what percentage of the fire perimeter has been enclosed by a control line, and that was according to the Maui County website that they had contained it. 3 p.m., and we're still on Tuesday, August 8th. Officials report the perimeter of the upcountry fire has spread to about 1,000 acres and has uh, reached someplace near the Kalua Lodge. Then an afternoon flare-up of the Lahaina fire, which was supposedly contained, forces the closure of the Lahaina bypass. And throughout the town, residents are trying to make their escape. So everyone's panicking now because the firefighters claimed they had contained this when they actually hadn't. And we'll get back to that later. Yeah. Around 5 p.m., the situation in Lahaina grows increasingly dire. 
The next hour becomes a collection of life or death decisions for those who remain in Lahaina. Video footage captures people fleeing the blaze, in some cases abandoning their cars, jumping into the ocean or their pools for safety. At 5.15, a woman named Christina Lee Garrido and her friend decide they don't have time to flee Lower Lahaina. They recorded the blaze around them from the Aina Nalu Hotel pool as fires pressed in on all sides. By 6 p.m., there's cars on fire, the harbor's on fire, and buildings are abandoned and they're burning and everything. It's basically, it's an inferno. 9.45 p.m., Mayor Richard Bisson issued an emergency proclamation in response to the fires. Then there's another one in Kihei that starts, that's the southern part of Maui, begins on Tuesday. So now we have three fires going. See, in Kihei is where we stayed. Yeah, that's where I stayed as well, which was a nice area. Mm -hmm. August 9th, West Maui is without power and has no landline or cell phone service. Now, what we learned is actually they turned it off. The authorities turned off the internet and they turned off all cell phone service. It, it was not disconnected. It wasn't any, had nothing to do with the fire itself. They shut it off. Oh, they never do that. 3 p.m. Firefighting crews continue to battle Lahaina as well as the Kihei and upcountry areas. 3.30, federal team arrives in Maui and is on the ground in, in Lahaina to assist with search and rescue efforts amid the active Lahaina fire. Early reports show six lives lost, but the toll was expected to climb, of course. August 10th, 10.30 a.m., the Lahaina fire was reported to be 80% contained, and the fire department reported progress in fighting all three fires. The Pulahu fire was reported to be 70% contained, and the uh, percentage of the upcountry fire remained pending. Official announced the death toll has now risen to 55 people. August 11th, 3 p.m., officials announced the Lahaina fire is 85% contained. The Kihei fire is 80% contained, and the Mau upcountry Maui fire is 50% contained. 6.10 p.m., the Kihei fire is now 100% contained. Death toll is roughly 80. August 12th, firefighting crews fought to extinguish flare-ups in the Lahaina and upcountry fires. The Kihei fire is declared 100% contained. A death toll is now 93. August 13th, Lahaina fire still deemed 80% contained, impacting an estimated 2,170 acres. Kihei is 100% contained, but it's still burning. By this time, the Pacific Disaster Center states that an estimated total of 2,719 structures were exposed to the Lahaina fire. 2,207 structures were damaged or destroyed. 2,170 acres were burned. Of the buildings exposed to the fire, 86% were classified as residential, so those people's homes, according to the center. In Kahlua, the center reports at least 544 structures have been, quote, exposed, with 96% of them being residential. And, of course, Josh Green, who's the state governor, says the fires have cost billions of dollars in damage. And by, by the 13th, basically all the fires are contained, and this is the official timeline that they put out. Now, if you're on 
Rumble, YouTube, Brighteon, any of those, there are a lot of people on the ground in Maui, residents who live there, who are not reporters, who immediately suspected something was up. Yeah. That there was something really wrong with what was going on here. Because, first of all, the reports of these high winds, I've seen actual video footage. They said there was going to be sustained winds of 60 to 80 mile per hour winds based on this quote, hurricane that was 80 miles off the coast. Well, here's the crazy thing. When that hurricane was going up the Baja Sur and it was about 30 miles off the coast, you know what the sustained wind factor was on the coast of Baja Sur? Yeah. Between 15 and 30 miles per hour. It was definitely going to be a lot more than that when it got 80 miles off of Maui. Right. And suspiciously, all of these fires started right in the window of the trade winds that come every evening there so if you've if you've watched any of these videos there are some really crazy conspiracy theories that i honestly just i'm not saying they're not true but i I have a much harder time buying them but there are some legitimate questions to be asked here as to what the heck's going on why this happened and the biggest question of all and do not overlook this The biggest question of all is, where are the kids? I'll get to all of that in a moment because the whole situation around these missing kids is unbelievably silent and hush-hush and quiet. And this happened a month ago. Mm -hmm. Usually when a disaster happens, isn't that the first thing we always hear? We got to save the kids. Got to make sure all the kids are okay. They're the first ones everyone rescues, goes in to get. There's about a thousand kids that are unaccounted for, and we don't even have a single name yet put out. And where are all the parents of these kids? How come we're not having? You don't see any parents on the news saying, "Where's my kid?" Uh, you know, if you if you ran to your house and they're still alive, contact us. Nothing. Radio silence, and it's super creepy. That is creepy. So let's start with several of the mysteries as to what's going on here. One of them, because you're going to hear a lot about this direct energy weapon that a lot of people are claiming started this fire. There is a video, or at least I've seen a still photo and kind of a a really short clip video of this supposed (laughs) beam coming down, and it's obviously very fake. And it's a deep fake, no doubt about it. However... The University of Hawaii caught a green laser beam. And you you can see this. I can send you the link because it has been disappeared. But I I, I know a guy or I, I follow an individual on YouTube who captured it and he still has it. But this University of Hawaii, they have one of those uh, cameras that you can you know log into in real time and just see what's going on. You know, like a traffic cam or something. Mm-hmm. And they caught a green laser beam on camera for over 10 minutes the morning before the fire. That video, that official video on the University of Hawaii's website has been deleted. No. Also, another interesting thing is there are these, I'll just say timeline Google Earth map images of the school system in and around Lahaina. In one of the parking lots, there are 
I think there's like 17 of the full-size buses and I don't know, maybe eight or nine of the, the short buses, you know? Yeah. And leading up to the fire, they're all there. They're not moving. They're not going anywhere. Just an hour or so before the official announcement that everybody's got to get out and Lahaina's uh, on fire and everything, there's another Google image map of this parking lot and all but about three or four of the buses are gone. There is a traffic cam video that shows these buses all trucking down the highway or the roadway and they have asked the school district, they've asked the police department, they've asked everybody, what's the deal with these buses? Who was on it? Where did they go? Where are they? And they refuse to answer. But the videos are there, the photos are there, and they are dead silent on this issue. And that's weird. And I think that's one of the things that gets me the most on this is they're letting all of this live because they won't come up with a straight answer. Uh, according to this one guy, he says, if school was canceled that day, as they tell us, because this is another thing a lot of people don't know, for whatever reason, it wasn't a holiday. There was, there's been no explanation given, but school was canceled the day that the Lahaina fire started. So most of these kids were supposedly at home. This guy asks, if school was canceled that day, as they tell us, wouldn't the buses be lined up in the parking lot since they weren't in use? Footage had surfaced of a long line of school buses evacuating from Lahaina and no answers. Zero. They don't know who was on it. Like I said, there's traffic cam video of these things going down the road. Hmm. Also, another weird thing, this is kind of a side note that he brings up. There are currently 18,000 cars sitting idle at the Maui airport, and these are all rental cars. Only 3,000 cars of all the rental cars available on Maui are in use, and the majority of those are by FEMA, the feds, and the government people who have flown into Maui. So you, got all, you have all these cars. None of them burned down. None of them burned up, and they're all just sitting in a field, just in a field. And so, surprise, they're talking about shipping them all back to the mainland because they want to bring in what? Any guesses? Military. Electric vehicles. Oh, Jesus. Well, I, okay, here's my problem. My, my, I mean, you know I have problems with electric vehicles anyway, but one of the big arguments is, a big part of this is right now they're arguing with Hawaii Electric that they're the reasons that reason this happened. So now you want to bring in more electric vehicles? Well, this is one of the theories is that and we'll get into, well, we can get into that now. So Josh Green is the governor. And he is associated with the Davos World Economic Forum and you know, all the usual suspects. Leading up to this, he's been talking about building Maui, building it back better. He declared July 17th, emergency proclamation aims to build foundation for thousands of affordable housing units. Josh Green signed the much-anticipated emergency proclamation on housing. It was the first time in history that an emergency proclamation was signed in Hawaii when there was no emergency. What this basically did, this emergency proclamation, it gave him complete carte blanche 
to bypass any and all zoning laws, building laws, local laws, or anything for this idea of fair housing and accelerating relief from the statewide housing crisis. And the reason why a lot of people believe is because if you go to this smart community case study that Josh Green went into cahoots with Japan and the World Economic Forum and everything is they want to, or they've been aiming to, turn all of Maui, the entire island, and in particular Lahaina, into smart grid cities using only wind and solar, electric vehicle charging, electric vehicles only, which they would need to get rid of Hawaii Electric to do because Hawaii Electric is probably against it. Right. That's why Hawaii Electric gets the blame for all of this. I put this, if anybody is interested, I put it in the show notes from the midweek. It goes through the entire thing. This is their goal. And the only way, because of all the restrictions in Lahaina and in Maui, because it's, it's tribal land, it's native land, it's owned by the people, the only thing that would allow him and give him the opportunity to implement this plan was a, quote, natural disaster. And wow, guess what happened? Natural disaster, so-called. Well, I mean, he wouldn't have done it himself. I mean, come on. Some other questions and other things that are out there. All right, let's talk about the uh, the missing children uh, real quick as far as... Yeah. So according to this this individual in Maui that I've been following intensely who seems to be level-headed and is a very good reporter there are 2000 children missing according to him and according to multiple accounts with no answers and they keep trying to shrink that number down and minimize it without any justification and here's what's happened the Hawaii State Department of Education reports that there are more than 2,000 children unaccounted for in the public school system since the Maui fires. According to this, it says the media is telling all of us that the death toll will remain a mystery for some time now. And as the writing of this, it was three weeks since the Maui fires, and we're still left with the same questions. Where are the missing children? What happened to the kids? How many children perished? And so I started to look into this a little more, and this is what I found. So far, up to this day, this is brand new, this article. It says that the Department of Education says the number of students listed as missing or killed in the Lahaina fire is so small that releasing it would violate their privacy. This comes as as the department announced it's been unable to make contact with nearly 500 families in its system. So they're saying that the number is so small that it would violate the privacy, but then they're saying they have it, they've yet to contact with nearly 500 families. I don't consider that a small number. Yeah. Then it goes on down here, and it says, one child, seven-year-old Tony, and that's all I'm going to say, has been included in, on the official list of the deceased. On Thursday, of the writing of this, the death toll remained 115, with 60 individuals identified. Then it says, 14-year-old Kiyiro was identified as a victim by his family, though he has not been officially identified by police. 
When asked by members of the board why the process of contacting the families has taken so long, and again, this is a very small island. Everybody knows each other. They all call each other yeah. cousin, auntie, uncle, everything. The deputy superintendent, Heidi Armstrong, described a chaotic situation in the immediate aftermath of the fires. Okay, maybe. But the fact is, is that school has since these fires gone back into session and there's all these kids missing. They haven't enrolled. They ha they're not enrolled on other parts of Hawaii. They're not like in Honolulu or Waikiki. They're not enrolled on the mainland. They're all missing. Nobody knows where they're at. And I would think... They were in the buses. Uh, but I would think 2,000 kids would be a national emergency. Everybody, they would call... Like, you have a kid missing. They bring in what, sheriff and law enforcement from four or five counties away, they get the dogs out, they go on a manhunt? That's if they're missing. Right. They're not going to bring them all out there if they know where they're at. That is one theory. Another thing could be related, may not be. There's a lot of people who are walking around Lahaina and you know, going through the rubble, the places they can go they are finding underground tunnels and underground caves and stuff in Lahaina it, with scaffolding. They don't know where they go. They go, it's down in the ground. It's big. And they're like, you could move a lot of people through here real fast. Nobody knew they yeah. were there. Also, another problem with the whole Maui situation is you may have heard about this. Maybe you didn't. People were fleeing Lahaina. They were trying to get out. The flames are everywhere. It's, a, it's an inferno. Both sides of the roads are on fire. You've probably seen videos. You can't see. It's just a big ball of smoke and fire. Utility trucks and police were blocking the roads to get out of Lahaina. And at first, the police came and said, nope, this wasn't happening. This is, uh, we, were tr we were trying to assist, and you know, we, there was stuff on the road. But there are people, there are plenty of video footage of people who were in their cars being turned around, and many of them said, screw it, and they went through the roadblock. There's a few of them who just got out of their car and said, fine, I'm walking out of here. I'm getting out of here. They all lived, and everybody who got turned around, everybody who was roadblocked, died yeah there's a lot of people there was a, a family that i was reading an article about where they were talking about how they had just flown in and they were taking a taxi and there was construction and they actually funneled them into lahaina down the main strip of lahaina and then all of a sudden that you know traffic was backed up they weren't moving they're like forget this you know they and they'd seen like the the starting of the fire like the little little fire and then it started getting bigger and bigger and they're like, we're just going to walk to our hotel. It's, you know, close enough. And they basically just got in the car and walked. And as they were walking, they said, all of a sudden you could see the fire getting closer and the smoke getting thicker and everything else. And it was pretty crazy. Just them talking about how it was very, they thought it was very strange that right before the whole fire started, they had funneled people into it, into it for no reason. There was no apparent reason. Yeah. Quote from Mayor Richard Bisson, who's the mayor of Maui. He wasn't sure who was in charge during the, the Lahaina fire. And also, Maui well, County the mayor. officials. Have been him. What's that? He's the mayor. He's Shouldn't the mayor, right? Him. He had no idea. No clue. 
Maui County officials declined to release a timeline of their response and disclose when they knew that people had died in the August 8th Lahaina fire. So they're not even, they won't even disclose their timeline. They're not letting anybody know anything. Yeah, the, uh, they screwed up. The Maui police chief, this is very interesting. His name is Chief John Peltier. Well, John Peltier was the head of the police department in Las Vegas when the mass shooting happened at the Mandalay Bay. He's the first non-Hawaiian in history to hold this position on Maui. Well, what's been really interesting is almost every official name that you have said so far through this has not been a name that I would... It didn't have enough vowels for me to think that it was a Hawaiian name, which it could be that they married, you know, whatever. They could be part Hawaiian, half Hawaiian, whatever, and they married into it, and the, the surname changed or whatever, but just saying, I haven't heard a lot of vowels in those last names. No, and if you watch the town meetings that were that have been going on with the locals coming to the podium and expressing their outrage and their anger that's that's one of the things they're bringing up is that these guys all seem to be they they all showed up they all came out of nowhere they were all either appointed or you know got voted in by big dollars from the mainland and none of them have ties the chief coroner on the island is peltier and what, did he, what was the first thing he did when they were going out and searching for bodies? He encouraged everybody. He wanted everyone who thought they might be missing somebody or, and basically anybody in the region to come and give DNA samples. I've watched video of several people who went and gave DNA samples because they have missing relatives. What the truck they showed up to, nobody knows what happened to the DNA samples. They're not being used. Not one person so far has been identified using any DNA sample. Hmm. wonder what they wanted the DNA for. Interesting. Also, Hawaii official refused to release water for the Maui fires until it was too late. This was another guy who's tied in with the World Economic Forum. He's a big climate change guy. And he goes on and on about how water is sacred and... He delayed the release of the water that landowners wanted to help protect their property from the fires with. He wouldn't even send it to the firefighters because they didn't need the water. And then (laughs) the governor of the island came on and said they were having a water shortage on Maui. You're surrounded by water. Yeah, because, I mean, you can't drink seawater. But you can use it to put out fires. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it would work fine to put out a fire. Get a pump with a hose hooked to it and throw it in the water. Here's another interesting thing. So this Governor Josh Green, and this was just not long before all this happened, he signed a, an agreement. This is from October 26, so this is 2022. Again, relatively speaking, not long before all this went down. Hawaii and Israel enter strategic partnership for cultural, educational, and economic exchange. Doesn't sound too bad on the surface, but when you get down into it, the key sectors for this exchange are renewable energy technologies, climate change, sea level rise, resilience, water, agriculture, 
food security, cybersecurity, marine science, technology innovation, civic arts, academic exchanges, and nature preserves. And then when you get down into the real details of that, it's basically they were going to fund Maui's becoming a smart island, smart city. Hmm. No agenda there at all. So we all love BlackRock. BlackRock's our friend, right? Yeah. So here's where BlackRock comes into play. Everybody, I believe, knows that Zuckerberg, Larry Ellison, Oprah Winfrey, Bezos, all these people, The Rock, everyone, they all own big chunks of Maui. In fact, I, th I, think, I think Oprah owns like a fourth of the island. She owns a big chunk. I know when I was there two years ago, we blew a tire on the way to Hana. And uh, we talked to a bunch of locals who helped us fix the tire. I mean, they were amazing when they helped us. They were great people. Um, and they all talked mad shit about Oprah. About yeah, well, she, she has, pri she has private, she has private roads. She has private mm -hmm. security. She basically has her own little city. Yeah. And, uh, but there's a bunch of, from what a lot of people say, a lot of natives are mad because there's a bunch of like historical, sacred stuff on the property that she's cut them all off from and it wasn't supposed to be that way supposedly but that's from locals so well blackrock apparently has been funding uh, a lot well one of them was the maui electric company and they're the ones who refuse to do any kind of upgrades on the power lines on anything they're yeah. just they're just been letting them sit there and rot there's this thing called the Island Project. It's the first decentralized island blockchain community ever built. And this was a private portfolio of exclusive real estate, land, luxury homes, condos, master retreats, flagship project one located in Maui, Hawaii. This is done by BlackRock. And BlackRock was, is ready and willing and able to redevelop this island in the image of the UN Agenda 2030. And here's what's been happening. So according to all accounts that I'm seeing, this is, this is actually happening. Uh, it, it hasn't happened to me, so I can't say for certain. But yeah, all these homes that burned, and we read the figures earlier, like 90%, 96% of all these buildings and everything that burned are people's homes. Mm -hmm. They're calling the insurance agent, people who had insurance, calling to say, hey, I need to make a claim. And the insurance is saying it's basically it's a natural disaster. It's, it's an act of God. We're not covering it. Or it's going to be not very much. Within yeah. hours, and I'm talking about within two hours, they're getting a call from a company that is linked to BlackRock offering to buy their property. Mm -hmm. Now, the crazy thing is, is that the governor, because all of this has come out, has put a moratorium on selling any land currently. And so what, Black, what this group is saying, this group that's run by BlackRock is saying, hey, we're going to offer you this, and as soon as this is lifted, we'll have all the paperwork done. It's going to be ready to go. As soon as it's lifted, you sign the dotted line. We'll send you the check, and we think we're going to take over. Amazing. Wow. But it makes you wonder, did the governor put that moratorium because he really wanted it to be there? Or is it like a safe face thing? Um, 
I my well, we'll get into what our theories are uh, when we close this out because there's more. There's so much more that's going on with this. There's so many questions about who's doing what. Same thing with the Oprah and Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. They started this um, Help Maui Fund. Mm-hmm. It's called the People's Fund. And they said that it would put money directly into the pockets of you know th- these victims of the Maui fire. Yeah. It always they, does. Yeah, they donated combined between them. I think they started it with $10 million. And somebody did the calculation that that's 0.0. Five percent of their combined net worth. Yeah. So it's basically throwing to them. It's throwing pennies, but they want America to pitch in and help all, and they're going to start this fund. So this charity organization is under an umbrella charity organization that is Oprah's. So it's like a side side mission that they've just started. Mm-hmm. That I'll just say mother charity group is one of the, if you look it up, it's one of the worst-run charities in all of America. 96 or 7% of all money given to this charity goes to the operation cost. The person who's running the charity is making like $3 million a year. <laughs> Everything gets eaten up. And, and we know this. This is how Bill yeah. Gates rolls. This is, how, this is all learned by the elites. They start these mm-hmm. charities. They don't give anything away. It's a place to hide money and to feed their friends and give them big jobs and, and big payoffs. Yeah. And so now they're, they're going to do this under the guise of you know, philanthropy. We're going to help the people of Maui, so send us your money. And who are you really helping? Well, you're helping Oprah, Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, and all their friends, and people are pissed. I mean, I got pages and pages of here of, Oprah and The Rock angered fans by asking them to give outrage as Dwayne Johnson and Oprah Winfrey asked fans to donate. Oprah Winfrey blasted for Maui Fund's request with Dwayne Johnson. It just goes on and on and on. People are just are like, no, not doing it. Well, because they're starting to figure out, people are starting to look, figure out to look at what the, the charities are really doing. Because it's like, what is it, the Susan G. Komen which is a huge one for like breast cancer awareness or whatever it is. And if you actually look at them there, yeah, very little of what you pay to them goes to anything. Yeah. Here's a, uh, here's an article from September 2nd. This is USA today. Despite prohibition would be buyers trying to snap up land burned in Maui fires. And this is what everybody was talking about when it happened. They said, this is what's going to happen. And nope, you're mm-hmm. a conspiracy theorist. This isn't what's happening. It's a natural disaster. According to this article, would-be buyers are making offers to snap up property after deadly wildfires despite a state proclamation warning against such bids last month by Hawaii Governor Josh Green. Green told the Associated Press several people have made unsolicited offers to buy the land and the destroyed buildings in the towns that burned down like Lahaina. But they asked, who are these people? He wouldn't name them. He would not name the groups that are lining up to buy this. And, well, we know who they are. And he's probably going to get a kickback. I think he put that down there so they could get everything in order, make all the offers, and as soon as he lifts it, these people are going to sign the dotted line, and then boom, 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 off you go. It's all sold. Yeah. 
And that's all predicated on that emergency plan that he signed before this fire happened. Because otherwise he wouldn't have had this authority to do this. Because there were strict laws in place as to who could buy, who could sell, what you could do mm -hmm. with any and all of that land. So we have yeah. lots and lots of questions. There's a lot of questions in that. So it's kind of, yeah, there's some weird... And of course, if you go to all the, the, the sites that are, you know, going to debunk everything, they're going to have all these things. Oh, no, no, no. It's not really this. It's not that, which is enough for most people to be like, oh, OK, nope, Yeah. See, this isn't right. This isn't what's happening. Look deeper. Here's another article. This is by a guy who lives there. It's an opinion piece. He talks about why Hawaii was such a tinderbox waiting to be just lit and destroyed by fire. He yeah. says, Hawaii lands and waters have been devastated by extractive agriculture, overdevelopment, and militarization. Consequences of raising non-native crops and livestock in Hawaii have ravaged the lands and made it the planet's extinction capital. Obvious truth is Maui was a tinderbox. Warnings were given but not heeded. Repeated instances of institutional neglects we're everywhere. Same thing in the Northwest. We hear about mm -hmm. that all the time. The forest fires. Oh, man, climate change. Forest, you know, it's burning up the forest. B.C., California, everywhere. No, mismanagement. Yeah, it's mismanagement 100%. of the forest. He says that uh, Lahaina in Olelo, Hawaiian, means cruel sun. And that basically all this land that was sitting around there was made to grow crops. That's what they did. And then... They ravaged the land. They just left it there. They walked away from it. Nobody did anything to help it, or it just—it was just sitting. It was a tinderbox waiting to go up. He says the deeper truth about leadership here is that too many of the best and brightest have left. Like many of you, I have Ohana and friends from here who have gone toe to toe with the biggest cities, with America's most ambitious. Uh, they made the best choices for themselves, but they had to leave. Imported education and religious systems suppressed Hawaii's language and culture. The deeper truth is this deprived us of the knowledge of how to live here on these islands. Leadership was unprepared. There was a gap in generational transfer of knowledge. Friends and neighbors from Silicon Valley and Hollywood have hurt Hawaii. He says their presence has ballooned the cost of living out of reach for most Hawaiians diminish opportunity, and drives the exodus of Hawaiians from their ancestral homeland. And I've heard that a lot when I was over there. That was the biggest complaints from Hawaiians, people like Oprah, everybody else going in there, buying everything up and raising the cost of living so high that Hawaiians are having to move to the mainland because they can't afford to even live there anymore. Yeah, he talks about how most people there are sad. He said the ideal... In Hawaii, is the most important five-letter word is aloha. However, we know the most important five-letter word here actually is money. Yeah. It says, the way we've disrespected our land and our culture have left at least dozens dead and one of the most beautiful places on the planet devastated. Militarization and greed, not a hurricane hundreds of miles away, and some man-made climate change. And I don't think he's talking about climate change as everyone's talking about. It's because they went in and they changed the habitat of Maui. Yeah. There's a lot of truth there. A lot. 
You know, a lot of the Hawaiians had to leave. They're the ones who knew how to, for generations, knew how to live there, how to cultivate the land, how to use the land. And, you know, you bring in all these outsiders and big business and condos and construction and a brand new power grid and all these things. And like you said, the brightest of the bright there have to leave. They can't make a living. Yeah. So they take they off. Can't. And the people who come in there are, they, they're not, it's not electricians. It's not mechanics. It's not people who know how to build roads. They can't afford to live there. No, they can't. Silicon Valley, Hollywood, they're the ones who are used to being waited on hand and foot. So a lot of questions in Hawaii, a lot of conspiracies about what's taking place there. And it's a story that's unfolding. It's a, mm -hmm. uh, but we're not hearing the truth. The, it, do you notice it's disappeared from the news completely? It has. It's one of those weird ones. I mean, not weird, I guess isn't the right word because we know how it happens. Um, that is just suddenly not there. It's gone. We, it's gone. No mention of the kids, no updates of the death toll. You got FEMA and the feds and everybody there blocking everything off. Nobody can ask questions. The government's suddenly shut down. You have all these suspicious characters, and the media just has gone completely blank and silent on everybody's moved, gone out, gone away, gone on to something else. It's really strange. It is. But So I guess the bottom line is, what are, what's your theory? Do you have one? What are, what are some of your thoughts on this? I'm not sure I have a, a full theory on this one. I think this is going to be one of those ones like some of the other ones we, we've looked at where it's something's odd. Something's not right. Something's off. I don't know exactly what it is. I, I think it's nefarious. I think it, it could be any or a combination of everything that we said, but something's definitely not right. Here's my theory. And... I could be completely wrong, but it's following the signs, following the story that's not being given out there. I truly believe that some of these central characters, like the governor of Hawaii, the chief of police, and some of these people who are non-Hawaiians who have been brought in there, who are all tied in with World Economic Forum, Davos, BlackRock and all of these, they were placed there. Mm -hmm. I think they brought in this guy from Vegas because he was in on the shooting in Vegas. I think he was part of that, part of the cover-up of that. So he had, he had practice. He knew what to say, how to handle the press, how to shut the right people down. I don't think this was started by some direct energy weapon. I don't even know if it was planned. I think... Honestly, what happened is I think a fire started and they said, just let it go because it fits what we need to happen. Yeah, I think it was one of those things. I think it was like we're seeing and I think we're seeing, I think a lot of the 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 wildfires and everything we're seeing on the, the left coast um, is happening not on purpose, but they're not doing a whole lot to prevent it. And I think that's what happened in Hawaii also is I think I don't think like you said, I don't think it was purposely set, but I don't think anybody it they, they made sure the conditions were right. And so I think it, it got out, start, I think it even got out of more out of control than they than they yeah. planned with all these kids missing with them blocking roads 
people dying. You know, there's the, the government suing Hawaii Electric, which is what they want. Mm-hmm. They want them out of there because they want to bring in a whole new system, shut down yeah. all of that stuff. Uh, I do think this is, I think it was a planned event. I don't think they planned this event, but I think they planned if something like this happened, here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I think they set it up, put the conditions the way that they wanted them to be so it was possible. Right. And then once it went into effect, and I think it just, I think that everything fell into place and differently than they expected and a lot more people got, which, I mean, who knows? Maybe they wanted that many people to get hurt. And, I mean, who knows with the kids? Maybe this is more of the, you know, yeah, Montauk, everything else. Uh, that know, that they is some more to me that's the biggest, that's the biggest mystery right there it is not so much how it started why they did the things they did because i think that was all discussed pre-planned the fact that they you know wouldn't send water the fact that they let things burn to the ground nobody's it's like the keystone cops were running this nobody's that incompetent no. if my neighborhood was on fire my neighbors and i would have more of a plan and we've never even discussed it on how to deal with it than these clowns. Yeah. And you know, don't buy this whole thing. Well, it didn't touch Oprah's, you know, property or Basil's. Well, yeah, because they're on the other side of the, they're way yeah. far away from this. They're on the complete other side of the Island, but it's one of those things that I think, you know, it might be one of those things that maybe, you know, that's the whole thing. Cause we go back to what was the other big story on Maui not too long ago was the, you know, the observatory. Maybe that's the new Montauk. And that's what they were doing, the way all those buses were heading. And the tunnels, and the there's tunnels. a lot of crazy stuff here. So Sounds I'm, like a lot, of, a lot of things that are very similar to Montauk. I'm going to keep a very close eye on this. We will most likely do a follow-up episode because this is a story that's developing. in the making. Yeah. And, and it has not concluded on an official level. And I'm waiting for the official narrative to come out because it will it will be challenged and challenged and challenged. Yes. They're not going to answer all these questions, but it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with. Their official narrative is on where are these kids? Where are all the bodies? Why were they so incompetent? Does anybody lose their job? Does anybody get displaced? Does anybody have to leave the Island in shame so far? No. No. So, if you're interested in following any of these, I'll just say on the ground reporters who are who actually live in Maui, these people I've been following, just email us down the RH at protonmail.com. I'll be glad to send you links to their channels. Uh, some of them I trust more than others, but they all give out really good information. A couple of them, you know, are they go kind of way out there with the whole energy weapon. I probably some people have heard about how it didn't burn things that were blue, that there were these blue umbrellas and blue tarps and everything that, you know, were untouched and so forth. And there were certain blue cars that it didn't, all that stuff. I don't know enough about that. And I didn't have time to go really deep into that rabbit hole. It's something seems off there, but I don't know. I I don't know. I do know there's military exercises. There's military bases close by. And I know they, they do practice this kind of stuff, but who knows? It could have just as easily been started by an electrical fire, and they were like, whoops, yeah, we'll just let it go. Serves our purpose. 
Yeah. So it's one of those things like the starting of it isn't that I don't know. The starting doesn't seem to be that interesting to me. What's interesting is everything that happened after. Exactly. Oh, it's out. No, it's not. No. We need water. We're not going to give it to you. You guys yeah, you all need, need to. We're busing you into Lahaina while Lahaina's burning. Yeah. You guys all need to get out, but we're closing roads. Everything burns to the ground, so we're going to build fences around everything. You can't take pictures. You can't look. You can't fly drones. No overhead photos. We've shut off Google Earth. Weird. Mm-hmm. BlackRock's all of a sudden buying everything or wanting to buy everything. Maui wanted to be a smart city. They wanted to build back better before this ever happened. All of it's weird. Yeah, it's very weird. We'll keep an eye on this. And if you have some more information, hey, send it to us down the RH at protonmail.com. We're really just scratching the surface. Uh, there's a lot of other weird stuff involved in this, and uh, we'll keep you updated on it. Yeah. In the meantime, Brandon, you've got the uh, midweek. I do. I got the midweek. Um, it's going to be um, pretty much the, the finish of the Patty Hearst. Um, I'll finish that one out. Great. And we'll be back next week. So once again, welcome to Texas. Everybody out there, thank you so much for listening. We always appreciate it. And we will see you then. I'm Big D. I'm Brandon. We're out of here. See you later.